There are two dilemmas that rattle the human skull. How do you hold on to someone who won't stay? And how do you get rid of someone who won't go? From Pod 617 Productions, it's Shine On, a presentation of Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine. Now here's your host, attorney Evan Shine. Episode 13 of the Shine On Podcast, I'm Evan Shine. As always, producer David Yaz is with us, and we have a really fantastic and important show today, and one that I'm excited for. I am joined today on the Shine Up podcast by former National Football League player, Wally Agunlier. Far too often, we hear stories of athletes and entertainers who unfortunately make poor financial decisions and who put their trust in the hands of wrong advisors and people. We hear about and read about the impact of these choices on athletes and their families and the tremendous loss of personal wealth and business opportunities that result. How does this happen? How does it change? How can athletes and entertainers build and protect successful financial lives? And what are the keys and tools to making this happen? On today's must listen to episode of the Shine On podcast, I'm joined by Wale Ogunlier. We will get the answers to these questions, talk to Wale about his path to the NFL, the importance of financial literacy and education, and the great work that Wally and his team at UBS are doing to talk to athletes about money and preparing them for life off the field. Coming up on the other side of the docket is my interview with our featured guest this week on episode 13 of the Shine Up podcast, former National Football League player who now leads the athletes and entertainment group at UBS, Wale Ogunlier. This is an interview that you will not want to miss. All right, counselor, once again, it is time for the docket. Are you ready, sir? Dave, I'm ready. Let's do it. And now, let's see what's on the docket. The item today for the docket, sir, from CEO World Magazine. It's a piece called The Eight Common Reasons That Lead People to Divorce. And the writer theorizes that... These are the top reasons. I'll read them really quickly, Evan, and then we can swing back and get your reaction. Number one, external affairs and infidelity. No surprise there. Financial differences, physical or emotional abuse, addiction issues, compatibility, lack of communication and intimacy, uh, sex life, getting married at an early age, and finally, wrong reasons to get married in the first place. A lot of those sound familiar, but um, we want the experts' opinion. So, how does how does that strike you? If all the reasons listed by Anasi Ampani, the author of the article, they're spot on, and I see this in my practice all the time. But the one I want to talk about is number seven, which is getting married at an early age. And look, while I'm seeing people get married later in life, a big part of my practice is you know, working with clients to draft prenuptial agreements to protect assets and income. I'm not sure that getting married at a young age and that alone necessarily leads to or causes a divorce. But I think it's a combination of getting married at a young age and not having real life conversations about money, about jobs, expectations, finances, having that open transparency 
in a relationship, look, it's often the key if you're looking to stay out of my office. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The conversation around the prenuptial agreement, it's not an easy one to have, but it's an important one. And if it can be handled the right way, it can be a relationship strengthening, a relationship building conversation that encourages full financial transparency, leading to an open dialogue about money and so many other things during marriage. And coming up on today's episode, you know, with Wally Gunlier, who's our featured guest, you know, we talk about athletes and how athletes come into a lot of money very early in their career, very early in their life, often in their 20s. And as we've talked about before, how it's so important for athletes at that young age to have a prenuptial agreement in place to protect income and to protect assets. What is it called when you do a prenup that has, uh, so to speak, that is executed after the marriage has already begun? Postnuptial agreement. And, you know, look, for a lot of people, postnups, you know, it's something that there may not have been a reason to execute a prenup if there wasn't significant wealth or an asset to protect. And then you get married, somebody wants to start a business, somebody, you know, is going to earn a lot of money. Um, you know, someone has an equity interest in a company, things change in people's lives, finances and businesses. So often people will come into my office, they didn't have a prenup, but they're looking to negotiate and execute a postnup. Our featured guest this week on the Shine Up podcast is Wally Agulier. In November 2020, UBS Global Wealth Management announced the launch of the Athletes and Entertainers Strategic Client Segment, a group specifically formed to provide financial advice and guidance to clients across the sports and entertainment industries. Leading this great group at UBS is former NFL player Wally Agulier. Following his excellent 11 year NFL career. Wally earned an MBA from George Washington University. He joined the great team at UBS in 2019 as the head of sports and entertainment at UBS Global Wealth Management. Wally and the team at UBS are coordinating financial educational programs, creating partnerships to help young professional athletes improve their financial literacy with a focus on financial education to help athletes build long lasting financial success. Well, thank you for joining us. I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm good, Evan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, of course. And Wally, look, the timing of this interview is perfect with the NFL draft. And there's a few really important topics I want to talk to you about and get into. And the first one is your path to the NFL. Mm -hmm. You had a tremendous career in the National Football League, a Pro Bowl career spanning 11 years, playing for a few different teams. Mm -hmm. With the NFL draft as a backdrop, an experience that you lived through. I want to go back to when the dream of playing in the NFL became a reality for you. And as someone who's been in the shoes of so many college players, hoping to hear their name called on draft day by the commissioner, what's the journey? What's the experience like for a college athlete making that transition from college to the NFL? And first, thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate being having me on the show. You know, it is this this time of year brings back some some memories for me, right? This is a a time where you know where anxieties are running high, dreams are we're almost at the finish line, 
And, you know, some dreams are going to be dashed and, and some dreams are going to be fulfilled. I, you know, was an undrafted free agent. You know, I thought I was going to have an opportunity to be drafted. But again, because I got hurt, you know, my name wasn't called in those two, three days when the draft happened. So I had the whole family at the house and everybody there and newspapers were there, you know, local Staten Island papers were there and, and I didn't get my name called. And uh, so for me, you know, I, I tend, you know, after that, I, I didn't watch drafts for a long, long time because it brought up some really horrible memories for me. But, you know, to answer your question, you know, whether you're a first round draft pick or you're an undrafted free agent, if you sign with the team, the opportunity for you now to change your, your future and to fulfill the dream of, of, of always playing NFL has come. But the work doesn't stop now. This is actually where you're officially not a kid anymore, right? You're not, you know, running home for spring break and having some of your mom's home, home cooked meals. This is uh, big boy stuff now. You're going to go into uh, a locker room full of men who some of them are married, some of them have three, four kids. And these are guys that are, are playing to put food on their table. And you've got to compete against these type of guys. And, uh, and it's the best of the best. So it's an exciting time. It's a time that, you know, everyone, you know, I grew up on Staten Island. I, I wanted to be Jerry Rice. And I was in love with Joe Montana and the 49ers. And I felt like, you know, this could never happen. Even though it's a dream, like, but for real, like, you know, throwing a ball in, in, in the parking lot in, in, in Staten Island and actually walking into a locker room of an NFL team, it's a dream come true. But uh, again, it's an exciting time. But hopefully, you know, these young men understand that the work actually starts, starts that moment they walk through that locker room. And Wally, it's such a great point. And you talk about the work in many ways really just beginning. You go from college to the NFL, drafted or an undrafted free agent, but there's so much work that's ahead, whether it's on the football field or really off the football field. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to you about money and playing in the NFL. And look, you mentioned, you know, college football players, now NFL players, they're not kids anymore. They're growing up and it happens quickly. And mm-hmm. it often happens when athletes are in their early 20s and the fame and the fortune and the pressure, it can be a lot for an athlete to handle. And so out of Indiana, you signed with the Miami Dolphins as an undrafted free agent. And after making headlines with your great play and incredible career, you went on to play for Chicago. And so I want to ask you, while the rookie deals for drafted players and undrafted players, they may be different in terms of the signing bonuses and guaranteed dollars, based on your experience, not only as a player, but now with the great work you're doing with UBS, mm-hmm. how important is it for an athlete in their 20s, regardless, drafted or not drafted, mm-hmm. to really start thinking about money, saving, and thinking about life off the field? You know, the, the sad part about it is I think the moment you get drafted is, and you start thinking about money or not drafted, you're working from behind. I mean, it's almost late in the game, you know, we would, you know, that's why, you know, with the initiatives we're doing at UBS, you want to start at the collegiate level or even go further back at the high school level, making sure that, you know, these individuals, both men and women and athletes understand the basic fundamentals of finance. Okay. But fast forward, you're, you're, you're in the league, you're an undrafted or you're a drafted free agent. I mean, you're a drafted player. The way I look at it this way, whether you're making rookie minimum, I think rookie minimum now is, you know, close to half a million dollars, maybe, you know, and let's even say, let's go even lower, like three, three to $400,000. 
There's nobody at Indiana University that has graduated. I don't care if they graduate summa cum laude. If you're an undrafted player, you're still probably making more than 99% of the people that you graduated with at, at, at your university. That's um, a great so point. It's still wow. a great opportunity for you to think about your future, understand in reality terms. Don't walk in that locker room and see that Lamborghini, okay? Look at the young men and women you graduated at your university and say, like, I am in a top 1% of all people who went to my university and my profession making decent amount of money. That, I think, if we use that mentality, we understand we have to start talking finances immediately. And we have to start understanding the power you have with saving, with understanding what you're going to invest in. But more importantly, know that this type of money is only going to happen in a short period of time. And, and the planning starts immediately. Well, you mentioned immediately in terms of the planning and the conversation. And often the NFL, as you indicate, is too late a lot of times. You mentioned high school. You mentioned college. And with the changes at the NCAA level in terms of college athletes and getting paid for their name, the likeness, and their image, it's also a great opportunity to have that conversation, as, as you mentioned, even earlier before draft day. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, with the new, you know, likeness and image, like you said, I think it's imperative that universities, families, and the athletes themselves take a more proactive approach at understanding, you know, what money is. And it's not about accounting one-on-one, okay? At the end of the day, my mom had, had a, a master's degree in accounting. It's, it's, and that's great, you know, but no one talks in accounting terms when they're out. Like, we need real life lessons, budgeting, balancing your checkbook, savings, number one. And too many times, you know, because, you know, we look at, you know, some of our athletes as pretty much lottery winners, right? You wake up one morning and you've got influx of zeros in, in, in your bank account. But if you do not understand what money is, it can become a problem. And that's where in the past, we've seen the headlines of athletes falling into, you know, bad investment deals, flat out going broke, guys who have made hundreds of millions of dollars, losing every penny. That's because there's been one lack of, of guidance, but more importantly, there's been a lack of education on the financial tip. And while you mentioned, you know, the stories that people hear about and read about, about, you know, athletes who lost a lot of money, went broke, bad mm-hmm. financial investments or working with the wrong people. I want to ask you about someone, an NFL player who, seems to be doing it right. Recently, Alvin Kamara, the New Orleans Saints running back, he made headlines not for the reasons we're used to hearing about, his touchdowns and you know rushing yards and receiving yards, but because there was an article that came out in CNBC about how Kamara hasn't spent any of his football earnings and he's living off the marketing, sponsorship, and endorsement money. And so I want to ask you, when you hear something like that, a positive story, someone who is seemingly doing it right. What are your thoughts? Honestly, when I saw that, that, that article, I, I wish I was next to Alvin at the time. I would have given him a big hug. I actually wish that I knew him because I want to hold his hand through the streets. I just want to go around with him and just, like, <laughs> this guy gets it, right? He gets it. He um, absolutely gets it. Right? Yeah. He gets it. It'd be him on one side and my, and my wife on the other. We, I don't understand <laughs> all the Because... I, and I sent this to all of my young clients and I said, this is it. 
with social media now in your own power, we're able as athletes to push out the middleman. Brands are able to connect with us on a one-on-one basis. And the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> and, I, and I listened to Alvin's quotes, he's okay with living life comfortably. The money's not changing what he likes. And I tell a lot of these, these college seniors that are going into the NFL, just three or four months earlier, you were in a college dorm eating hard pizza and drinking soda and you loved life. Why in those four or three months as you walk into the locker room and you pass those Lamborghinis and you pass those Mercedes-Benz, do things have to become now lobster and, and waggle beef steak every other day? Why, why does that have to change? You love what you love. And I get it. There's going to be something inside you. I'm sure Alvin has spent money on something that he probably shouldn't have and, you know, splurged. But the good thing that he said is he's not touching his principles. Alvin's not saying he's not living his life. Alvin's not saying he's not enjoying. Alvin's not saying he doesn't buy jewelry. Alvin's not saying he doesn't buy nice things. What he's saying is out of the $75 million that he's gotten for his hard work, he's been smart enough to just put that away. That's legacy he's built. He's changed his family's projection for generations to come. And kudos to him. And I just hope that our athletes, more of our athletes understand that. And again, I saw that article and I sent that to every single one of my young guys to say that this is exactly what we've been trying to talk. This is what we, this is exactly the mindset we want you in. Absolutely, Wally. You talk about if, you know, he was next to you and you would want to give him a hug and look, I felt the same way because you're right. You say he gets it and he absolutely does in terms of his approach and his mindset. And I want to ask you, when you talk about the work that you're doing and the team at UBS, what challenges are there to getting that message across to young athletes, either college players or athletes who are starting out in the NFL? When you hear a great story like Alvin Kamara, how do you get the message across to younger athletes? That's a great question. I, you know, I think a lot of it too has to do with the ecosystem that these athletes surround themselves. It sounds like to me, Alvin has at least one good advisor in, in, in his ear and in his corner. And then two, it also sounds like he's been able to fight through some of the headwinds that comes with coming from a place where uh, maybe your community has been marginalized. It's not, you know, an affluential upbringing you may have had. And the urge to want to get everybody out of that situation tends to also run the, drill, the, the well drive when it comes to athletes and, and the money that they earn. So kudos to him and probably the people he has, but I, I'm, I'm sure he has a mentor, at least an advisor that's giving him great advice. What I want our younger generation of athletes to understand is that that's the case. You have to have somebody that's in your corner that's going to tell you the truth. But more importantly, that's at least going to understand when you may have an opportunity to want to go to the club with your, with your teammates. And I'm not going to judge you on that. But we've got to try to ch you know, channel that behavior in a more positive way. I then find outlets to where if that's what you want to do, you want to go you know, on vacation with your friends and your family and, and treat them to the good life, maybe 
do an extra autograph signing on this next season. Maybe do three or four extra ones and we'll take that, that money and use it for, you know, our vacation. So again, I would tell our younger generation of people, which we, which, which I think is because they, they don't come a place of, of not knowing is trying to get the ecosystem, the people around them, at least one good advisor that you, that you rely on to give you good sound advice. And that's what we want to make sure that all our clients have, especially when you come to UBS, you're going to have that advisor that you're going to be able to lean on and it's going to, you know, steer you in the right direction, but again, not use the biases and the stereotypes that comes with dealing with athletes. Um, we got to go deeper than just, you know, the posses that these guys hang out with. They're not posses. They're not gangs. They're, um, you know, a lot of times childhood friends that they don't see how I was the one person that made it out the hood or out of the projects. So I, I don't know why God blessed me, but I'm bringing everybody with me. We've got to understand that behavior and try to channel that and make that more of a positive outcome for our clients. Well, it's such a great answer. And there, there's two really important points that I want to piggyback off of your answer. One, you talk about the importance of a team and having at least one professional involved in an athlete's life at an early age. Mm-hmm. The second point is going back home and you mentioned childhood friends or going back to the community. Talk to us as someone who's been in the NFL, who has lived through it and experienced it. How hard is it for an athlete to go back home and, and, and being and having that pressure and having to make that difficult decision of saying no at times. Talk to us about what challenges athletes face and go through and how that shapes an athlete's view at times towards money. You know, I can speak from personal experience. It's, it's tough, you know, and I, and I think that the athletes nowadays have it way more. It's more complicated. You know, I'm telling, you know, my wife a lot of times, even now, I'd like, be careful what you post especially, you know, you know, if there's a nice car we're driving or the house we live in, or if we're flying, you know, first class or something like, I'm like, be careful. Cause at the end of the day, one, there are so many people that are watching and now, you know, looking. And then two, those same people will pick up the phone and say, Whoa, wait, listen, you're flying first class to Hawaii. And I sure. see this nice car you're driving, you know, I got rent due. Can you help? And then they're on my social media page and my, you know, my family's page and it's like, well, you're balling. Like yeah. you're living this extravagant life and I need life book, my life bill paid. Sure. So you're putting yourself in a position and with social media now, I think these athletes got to be really careful with that because the pressures of making it like we, I talked about earlier, sometimes can drag on you. I call it somewhat like, you know, survivor's guilt. You might be the only person that, that survived that plane crash and you're asking God like, why am I the one you chose? Out of all of these great people I grew up with, they're still living in these, you know, places where a lot of them maybe on, you know, uh, just not, not the best communities. Sure. And now it's like, I'm the guy with the, with, with the golden ticket and there's guilt involved. Also, that same guilt also comes with families that come from money. There's a guilt involved in being born in money. And now, you know, sometimes society looks at people with, with money and born in it as, as monsters, as, you know, what did you do to deserve all of that? And then now you've got to like take the nanny's car to the gym or you're making sure no one sees that nice car. So it works both ways. Money has a crazy effect on people. And we want our athletes to, to know we understand whatever the psychology 
that you have when it comes to, to receiving this big contract. We understand it, and we're going to help you navigate the, the headwinds that comes with these big contracts. Whether you're used to it or whether it's brand new, we're going to understand your viewpoint, and hopefully we'll help you, you know, give you great um, advice when it comes to financial planning. And while you mentioned financial planning and yourself and the team at UBS and, and understanding what athletes are going through, and I want to ask you, because you're very involved in doing some great charity work and philanthropic work, in terms of an athlete's community and really making a difference and helping athletes in a positive way to give back, tell us some of the initiatives and partnerships that yourself and UBS are working towards and how you deliver the message to athletes to, to, to really make a difference in a meaningful, positive way? Oh man, it's great. You know, I'm glad you asked that question. And, and this is reason, part of the reason why I, I, I wanted to join UBS. When it comes to our philanthropic endeavors, I think this is what, I know this is what, it, what separates us from um, the rest of the industry. UBS um, is a global firm in the sense that we get involved in so many different aspects of, of our world and in, in the philanthropic industry. Me being, you know, Nigerian uh, descent, we've got things that we do in Africa that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of. We have things we do here in the United States with childhood education, with our Optimist Foundation, that when it comes to athletes and entertainers, this seems to be one of the once parts of our society that really gets involved and wants to give back. So about some of the things that we talked about with the survivor's guilt thing, we want to channel our athletes and entertainers in this space. But things that I'm proud of that, we, that we're doing, we've connected with the SIAC. We've got a, a program with financial literacy with you know, these 14 historically black colleges in the SEAC. And what we're doing, one, is you know, bringing UBS in front of these student athletes, hoping, hoping that eventually, if they're thinking about a job in finance, they're, you know, they're coming to, to UBS and or into the industry, right? The industry needs a little bit of diversity. You know, we need more women, we need more people of color. And that's a great part of what UBS is doing and pushing that narrative. And then back to what we said earlier about financial education on the student athlete level, we're doing that also at the major universities, bringing students um, together <clears throat> in the sense of teaching them the fundamentals of, of money, we, we're going to be doing that throughout the country from the West Coast to the East Coast, Midwest, of getting into these major institutions and getting with all of our student athletes, not just football and basketball, everybody. Because the truth of the matter is less than 1% of, of all athletes make it professional. But again, I think it's our duty to, to give back and, and do that. Lastly, not even this lastly, but another thing is we've partnered up with a, a foundation called Goal Setter. And Goal Setter is... Um, which what they want to do is create a system of where we can give a million bank accounts, open up the million bank accounts for in the community, some of the, the more, the more uh, marginalized communities, Latino, you know, African-American, younger, younger women and girls, open up these bank accounts and knowing that in the future, if we can start early on in getting these bank accounts, a lot of them are more high likely to go to college and a lot of them are more likely to invest later on in life and, and be knowledgeable investors. So I applaud UBS for taking the stand. They have, was doing this long before I got here. But again, when it comes to buying stocks and bonds, all right, we're the best at what we do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that just because I'm at UBS, but you can do stocks and bonds anywhere. Sure. 
this part of the, the offering, the, the heart part, the philanthropic part, is where UBS outshines um, the rest, in my opinion. And Wally, I, I absolutely love, you know, what you're saying, the Optimist Foundation, you know, the bank accounts, and, and you're right, it's about financial literacy, financial education, getting in early, even at the youth level, as you and the team at UBS are doing, mm-hmm. and really making a difference in changing the narrative on the conversation and really what's discussed. And I would think it's changing the mindset. And if you can do it early on at the youth level, high school, college level, you're going to see the domino effect when an athlete does go to play professional sports, you're going to see the mentality change at that level by the work that you and the team are doing from the ground up. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a great initiative. And, and at the end of the day, especially when we start at the college level, it, society as a whole will benefit, right? You know, not everyone is going to be a professional athlete. So there's going to be a future doctor, a future lawyer. My wife's a doctor. She's terrible with finance. She's terrible, but she's a great doctor. So everyone at the end of the day needs these life skills. We're going to just try to do our part to make sure that um, these student athletes leave the universities that we're going to be working at with not only just their, their education or championship in sports, but really just their, the, the knowledge to know how to balance a checkbook and how to save some money when I get out of college. Absolutely. It's incredibly important to look. Part of it, as you mentioned, is knowing what you know and also knowing what you don't know and then surrounding yourself with a great team of professionals, advisors, and other people to really help you on that path forward. Because look, you played in the league for 11 years. The NFL, like many sports, you know, it could be a year, it could be two years. By the time someone's in their 20s or 30s, there's life after sports, and it's important to get people to think about that early on. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, NFL, you know, is a joke. People say it stands for not for long, but truth of the matter, that's what it is. You absolutely. Know, you play 10 years. I mean, it's almost been, I think it's almost been 10 years since I've been out of the league. So yep. uh, like that, your career is gone. And even if it's, you know, you get a little bit longer, like Tom Brady played for 20 years, it's still a short period of time. And now he's got to figure out, you know, what do I do next? Next, And at the end of the day, it's not just about money. Um, it's about constantly pushing yourself and rewarding and getting a reward at the end of your hard work. And for, for athletes, you know, that is monetary, but moving forward, it can be giving back. It can be starting a foundation. It can be starting a business or starting a family. Either way, you want to make sure you're comfortable in your next step and you're not um, having to work, right? You want to make sure that you, you've had a plan where you can now move into your next part of your career uh, comfortably and, and excited about it. Well, as we finish up on the Shine Up podcast, I, I want to ask two questions. In terms of the conversation in the locker room, are athletes or NFL players, is there a discussion about money? How is the NFL PA the National Football League, I know you mentioned it's been about 10 years or so since you've been out of the league. You started your career, you know, almost 20 years ago. How has it changed from your understanding? Are there more resources? Are there more programs? What's happening in the locker room, both from the conversation players are having and also from the Players Association side and the NFL? Yeah, great question. I think ultimately there are some I, what we need to do is in the NFL, and I don't want to, you know, make us look bad, but we do tend to um, get advice from each other. And again, it's almost sometimes the blind leading the blind, right? Sure. 
I would love us to do a much better job of uh, referring guys or at least saying, hey, listen, the truth of the matter is I'm not an expert. You need to go find somebody to help you uh, understand what we're doing. The thing that I, I believe, and honestly, between, you know, it's, it's for the world to see, the amount of money these young men are making is becoming just astronomical, right? I really do think the, the headlines will happen because people are, are attracted to, 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 that, to that type of headline. But I think you're going to see more and more business-minded, entrepreneurial athletes coming out of the NFL, obviously of the NBA, um, as we move forward. Because these contracts should set you up for a long period of time, right? When before my era, some of the athletes had to work two jobs. You know, they worked in the season and then they were out, you know, doing something in the offseason to, to make money. You know, now the money's just coming so big that guys are thinking about joining together and buying, you know, NFL teams and NBA teams, right? So the the difference is who is going to be the person you're so you're leaning on on, on, on advice. <clears throat> and it makes it more and it's more important now than I think years in the past that your advisor knows exactly how to manage your money or at least how to help you manage your money. And, and two, the leagues are doing a much better job of putting safeguards in place where financial advisors have to go through, you know, a certification process, background checks, you know, FBI checks to make sure that there aren't any complaints with, you know, the SEC or, or FINRA. Sure. That's big. At the end of the day, the, the, the onus still falls on the player. And that doesn't change. That hasn't changed 20 years before. It's gonna, not going to change 20 years later. We, as athletes, former athletes, have to take it upon ourselves to understand what we're investing in, make sure we're double-checking and crossing our, our, our T's and dotting our I's and, 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 and verifying and not just nodding our head like I did when I was you know, a younger player and just said yes and really didn't understand what the hell I was, was hearing. And I, and I think that is never going to change, but the people and the ecosystem around us and the NFL seems to be doing, doing a better job of trying to surround their players with, with people that, you know, are not going to be in jail in 30 days. Right. I think, you know, in the past, you've seen a lot of the advisors, you know, go to jail. So to, you know, and, and it happens throughout the world. You just saw, you know, the, the guy, that, the gentleman burned, was it like the Ponzi scheme guy? It happens all the time. You know, just know that on the athletic side, it's going to be a little more broadcast, but, we got to stay away from, from from men like that. Absolutely, Wally. And look, you know, there's lessons learned in all of this. And, you know, the NFL PA, the NFL, and, you know, look, for every story that you hear about a bad financial advisor or an investment gone wrong or how an athlete lost a lot of money, you hear about all the great stuff that you're doing, the team at UBS. You hear a great story like Alvin Kamara. And it, it's it's all great things. And I have to tell you, I love what you and the team at UBS are doing. You're changing the narrative, changing the conversation and discussion about money, about life off the field, about saving, about retirement. And look, as you mentioned, there's a lot of opportunities out there for professional athletes when it comes to off the fields. And you mentioned having an entrepreneurial mindset, and it's more important now than ever before. And so the initiative of the group, your segment at UBS it's great. And while I want to ask you, how could people learn more about the great work that you're doing and the team at UBS? Great question. Anyone looking to hear about some of the stuff that we talked about here on, on our podcast, you could reach out to www.athletes.com 
www.entertainers.com. I personally am on all social media uh, handles, but that's my own personal handles. But uh, again, if you're looking for information on what we're doing at UBS, it's athletes-entertainers.com. Dan, I want to thank you for coming on the Shine Up Podcast. Anytime. Listen, I had a great time. Just fellow New Yorker. So anytime you need me on, please, I'll, I'll come running. I really appreciate you giving me the platform to speak and do some positive things that we're doing. And I really appreciate it. Of course. Wally, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. What a show on the Shana podcast, episode 13 in the books. How great was Wale Gunlier? Wale and his entire team at UBS, they're doing such incredible things for athletes and entertainers, talking about money and financial education. Look, it's not an easy topic, but it is an incredibly important one. And Wale and the group at UBS, they're leading that conversation, changing the narrative and prioritizing financial literacy, and financial education. Thank you to the listeners on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. Thank you for listening. Producer, David Yass, thank you as always. Just happy to be here and be part of the team, Evan. Thanks. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse. Send your emails into the new Shine On podcast email address, evan at shineondivorce.com. I'm Evan Shine. And we'll talk to you again real soon.